0: Thanks for taking the time to listen to this important topic of the crucifixion of Christ and you. You've likely heard of a man called Jesus Christ who lived on this earth years ago, who never sinned and yet was crucified on a cross. You've probably seen the symbol of the cross of Christ out the front of churches or round the place symbolizing religion. So today we would like to deal with the pressing question What does the crucifixion of a man who lived thousands of years ago have to do with you or with me? This topic at face value might seem a bit gloomy and not even worth considering. However, as we explore this briefly today, you'll see with me that Christ's crucifixion actually can offer us a hope of living forever in a peaceful and happy kingdom on this earth. However, not as we know it now, thankfully. I'd like to mention at the outset of this presentation... That as Christadelphians, we strive to be Bible students. That is, we endeavour to 100% base our beliefs and values on the Holy Bible, which we believe to be God's inspired word. In fact, a reference taken from the Bible says exactly this. 2 Timothy 3:16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, which is the idea of God telling the authors what to write. And is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And so it is on this basis that we present this talk. We encourage you to get hold of a Bible and to test out and search the things which are presented for yourself. So we'd like to begin by asking three simple questions which we'll cover. What is exactly is crucifixion? Where is crucifixion mentioned in the Bible and why? And finally, what does the crucifixion of Christ have to do with you? So let's begin with looking at crucifixion. What is crucifixion? Wikipedia says, and I quote, Crucifixion is a method of punishment or capital punishment in which the victim is tied or nailed with nails to a large wooden beam and left to hang. Perhaps for several days until eventual death from exhaustion and suffocation. So an utterly horrible form of death, which we often struggle to comprehend. Another interesting point is that while crucifixion is gruesome, it is also humiliating and public, as the individual is hung generally at least three to four feet from the earth, meaning that anyone who looks at them has to look up at them. And this will prove to be an interesting point when we come to looking at Jesus Christ. So where do we come across crucifixion in the Bible, and why? The words crucify or crucified appear 49 times in the Bible. In fact, all in the New Testament, which covers approximately the second half of the Bible dealing with Christ's ministry. In fact, all the times that these words appear, it is in reference to Jesus Christ's crucifixion or those who in symbol are crucified with Christ. That is, those who strive to not give into the fleshly nature of sin which we all bear. Let's look at some references of these examples. Firstly, we'd like to look at two references about crucifixion in relation to Jesus Christ. Firstly, Matthew 27, verse 22. Pilate saith unto them, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? They all say unto him, Let him be crucified! Now, Pilate was the Roman governor at the time, and was the official who presided over the trial of Jesus and ordered his crucifixion. Present at his crucifixion were both Romans and Jews, and also some of Christ's family. And another quote in relation to Christ's crucifixion is in Luke 24, verse 7 Saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified. And the third day rise again. This quote gives us a little extra detail. And the third day rise again. This is a key when looking at this topic because although Christ was crucified, because he never sinned, he was raised on the third day to live forever. And we see the events that took place after his resurrection if we keep reading in the book of Matthew and also in other books of the Bible. So leading on from this, we'll look at two references in regard to being crucified with Christ. Firstly, Galatians 5, verse 24. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. The first question that comes from this is, who are they that are Christ's? And how have they crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts? Let's just add another puzzle piece before we put it together. Romans 6 verse 6 says, Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. This passage references our old man, and therefore implies a new man also. It also demonstrates a change that occurs between the old man and the new man. What is it? We read the second half of the verse. That the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. So what is this all talking about? Let's firstly look at what the old man is, so we can contrast it with the new man. Romans 5 verse 19. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. We see in this passage two people contrasted. One is disobedient and one is obedient. We know who the obedient one is, Jesus Christ. So who is the disobedient? The first man to sin in the Bible, as you may or may not know, is Adam, as recorded in Genesis 3, when he was tricked by a serpent. And so it is from Adam, as we are all descendants, we have inherited a proneness to sin. What is another characteristic of this old man, or this man of Adam? 1 Corinthians 15 verse 22 For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Together with a proneness to sin that we have inherited, there is the harsh reality of death. I'm sure we've all been hit with it in one way or another, whether it be a family member, a relative, or a friend. So that was the old man we've looked at, but how does the change happen to the new man? If we look into Romans 6, from where our reference to the old man came, we read right at the beginning of the chapter, from verses 3 to 4. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptised into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So how can we change from an old man or woman to a new man or woman? Well we read in verse three the word baptized What is baptism? What does it mean? Looking at the word baptise, it is a Greek word, baptizo, meaning immersion or washing in water to dip, immerse, sink. It's the same word as used to describe the dyeing of a garment. It goes in in and under one colour and comes up another. Thinking back to why we are looking at baptism, it was asking the question, how can we become a new man or woman? So baptism can make us that new man or woman. It changes us from being in Adam, servants to sin, who Genesis records was the first man, to being in Christ through association with his death and resurrection, and therefore servants to obedience. Through the act of baptism, there is forgiveness of sins. If you think about it, what would be the closest symbol to death and resurrection without physically dying and being miraculously raised? Well, it would be baptism. Picture going under the water, wherever it may be. A bath, a lake, or the ocean. If you stay under the water, you will die. And so we see what a fitting symbol it is. So, who can be baptised? Acts 8 verse 12 But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Anyone that believes the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, known as the gospel. Another reference, Mark 16, verse 15 to 16. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptised shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be condemned. Once again, who can be baptised? He that believeth. So belief is required, which means that the individual must be of an age to comprehend the Bible and make the decision themselves that they want to be baptised. So we come to our final question. What does the crucifixion of Christ have to do with you or with me? We've appreciated so far what crucifixion is. We've seen the old man Adam and the new man Christ. We've seen that to become in Christ, we need to believe the good news concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ and be baptized. But what does it mean if we take these steps? What hope does it give us? We saw in our last reference in Mark 16, verse 16 He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be condemned. If we read the Bible and are baptized, we can be saved! Saved from the mortal nature which we inherit from Adam. In the Old Testament of the Bible, God gives promises to a man named Abraham. He promises him all the land that he is able to see from a mountain. But not only does he promise it to Abraham, but also his descendants. If we're in Christ, that is baptized. Galatians 3, verse 27 to 29. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ's, Then are ye Abraham's seed, and heirs according to the promise. We too can inherit that land on earth that was promised to Abraham. After Jesus Christ was raised, he was taken up into heaven. But we're told in Acts 1 and verse 11 that Christ will return to the earth. When he returns, if we're dead, then we'll be raised and judged. And if we're alive, we'll still be judged. And if judged righteous... That is, if we've believed the gospel, if we've been baptized and strive to live a life in accordance to God's commands in the Bible, we'll be changed from mortal to immortal. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 51 to 53 reads, We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. How is it going to happen? In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. At the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. What will it be like to live forever in the kingdom on the earth? The exciting news is that the world isn't going to stay the same, and we, as we've just read, will be made immortal. Isaiah 35, verse 1, and then verse 5 and 6. The desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap as an heart, and the tongue of the dumb sing. For in the wilderness shall waters break out and streams in the desert. What a contrast this is to our present world. Do we go into the desert and see roses blossoming? Imagine someone you know who is blind, but will be able to see again. What a glorious time we are promised. Would not we all like a time when there is no more sorrow or sighing? Another passage of the Bible in Psalm 72 tells us that God will save the children of the needy. What a distinction from the poverty that is currently in the world. So finally, I hope you've been able to see with me the relevance Christ's crucifixion, although thousands of years ago, has to us today. I'd encourage all of you to start reading and studying the Holy Bible for yourselves to see the hope contained in it. And I'd just like to leave you with one final quote from 2 Peter 3 verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men men count slackness. But his long suffering to us would, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And if you have any further questions, feel free to get in touch with us through the contact form on our website.